Hello and welcome to the Coon Hunting University Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Duncan. And like always, class is in session. Coon Hunting University is brought to you by Superior Hunting Lights. Superior, step up to the max. Use discount code CHUPODCAST at checkout on nighthunters.com. Conkey's Outdoors, hunting and hound supply store. We stand behind Conkey's and is the only hunting supply store that we personally recommend here at Coon Hunting University. You can find out more at conkeysoutdoors.com or find them on Facebook, Conkey's Outdoors, and give them a like. All right. Well, if you're tuning into this episode, this is going to be the second episode of Late Nights with Miller. Tyler wants me to do a couple of episodes of just some questions and answers and some of the very basic of hound training and maybe even starting at the health of hounds and you know so we're starting out at the very basic so if you're tuning in this episode you've you've probably listened to the first and you're interested in the coon hunting and we're going to take you a little bit further into the game so i hope you enjoy the podcast uh, we're going to get started. Well, it's not we. It's just going to be me. So this is going to be a little bit different. We're not going to have anybody to bounce questions off of. So uh, viewers, our listeners, uh, input is going to be very important in any podcast that I do because I'm going to have to use some of y'all's questions to add to this podcast. So I'm going to start out with a something to ponder little thing that I got from a a friend of mine that off that first interview podcast, he, uh, and Hey, this, this dude is no stranger to the, the winning circle and competition coon hunts. But he, uh, after he listened to that interview, he, he said, man, I really enjoyed the interview. And, um, he sent me, he asked me a question about a quote that he had, uh, his high school football coach had, had seen him, year, I mean, or had told him years ago back when he was in high school, and it just sort of always, you know, kept him thinking about success and trying. But I'm going to read the quote, and it's actually from Ryan Carlson. Um, uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with PKC competition hunts, you know Ryan and what he's done in the sport, but um, – but he sent me this and he, he wanted my take on, you know, and I'm, I'm one of those guys that everybody knows that I can break down the English language and sort of give you my view. You might not necessarily agree with it, but, uh, for the most part, I'm pretty accurate on it because of the, the education type stuff. Everybody used to give me fits about how I broke down the rules, but to me, it was pretty simple. It's just English, right? It's, we studied it from the, first grade or whatever but here's here's ryan's quote that his high school football coach and he didn't give me his coach's name do you think desire is equal to sacrifice or does determination override the final goal and he uh he said that uh, his his high school football coach had asked him that question when he was in high school and he had always through life sort of thought about it and he just wanted to get my take on it as far as what what it meant so i'll hit it again and then i'll break it down do you think desire is equal to sacrifice 
or does determination override the final goal? So, uh, for example, you, you at this point in your life, you have a desire uh, to, to coon hunt. So that is your desire. Uh, if you do nothing about it, it will remain a desire for the rest of your life. But if you go out and, and, and start listening to podcasts, start looking for a dog, start looking for mentors, look for people in your life that are going to help you along the way, then you're starting to set forth some goals for, for how you go about your coon hunting. All right. So if you set forth goals and never do anything and never go any further with it, then that'll be un unmet goals of your life. All right. So when you start actually going out and sacrificing time, maybe with the family, time with your friends and maybe going coon hunting, then that's when you're actually trying to achieve those goals, that actual sacrifice. So what you got is as you as you have a desire to do something and you start sacrificing parts of your life to reach those goals, and the greater your determination is, here's where that determination comes in, is how successful you will be. All right, so determination is what's going to take you past that actual goal in the long run. So to me, that's what that quote means. And as, and as you and as you start breaking down this process that you're starting on right now, as far as coon hunting, there's going to be a lot of setbacks. There's going to be a lot of hard work in it, but that determination is what is going to determine your success as far as how far you go into the coon hunting world. Um, it's a lot of work. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you any different. The people that are successful at it are, they are willing to spend a lot of time where it's just them and a, and a hound out there in the woods, in the darkness hunting. That's, I mean, that's, that's what it boils down to. Uh, so it's not, it's not all glamour for sure. It's a lot of work. So if you're interested and continue to go on this journey, I hope you success and uh, realize that it will be a lot of work. All right. So what, what, what we want to do is start it from the very beginning. What, what, what do you need to be a coon hunter? Um, one thing is you need to understand coon habitat where the coons are at, how, how coons actually, you know, where they live to, to be a coon hunter. So I'm, I'm not going to break down every bit of the coon habitat. You can, you can research, you know, the breeding season of the coons, their, their food sources. You need to understand where and what times of years they're in those specific food sources. Um, so you need to understand that. Then comes along the process of securing land to actually coon hunt. Some people have a have a land that they hunt that's personally theirs. Hunting clubs. Uh, I know hunting properties are a big problem, uh, especially if you're in those uh, deer 
deer states where you know the big big bucks roam you know it's hard to secure actual hunting land especially if it's in in deer season but on the other hand if you can secure a property it's great to try to be neighborly reach out to the neighbors and say hey look i'm coon hunting so-and-so's place i just want you to know that i'm on there and sort of educate them about hounds and stuff because there's a lot of i'm not gonna say a lot but there's a good many dogs that have been shot in the last couple of years because of, they're getting on someone else's piece of property and that's causing some problems so try to be wary try not to you know cause too much conflict as far as in the woods on other people's property um so yes get out try to secure you some places to hunt uh state land there's a every state has some land that is set aside for uh for that state that they can actually hunt as typically a permit you buy so you might want to locate any of your state lands and learn the regulations about those those pieces of property i'm still going with the mindset that if you're a beginner beginning hunter do not start out with a pup i know i mean you're going to see different people sort of vary on that but do not start out with a pup you need to find you a good quality older hound and and when i say that i'm i'm saying a good medium hunter medium nosed dog that is uh i mean they're not going to be perfect they may have some flaws i may tree a possum every now and then but something just to wet your whistle it's not gonna i i, I would say don't get you a, a real fast hard going dog but get a dog that is uh it's gonna it's gonna allow you some enjoyable nights and if you can't find a dog find someone to go hunting with all right typically uh, a seasoned coon hunter somebody that's coon hunted a bunch is more than likely not going to like you bringing a dog that they don't know to go hunting with more than likely they'll let you drop your dog alone and if you don't have a dog that is a uh, that's going to go, be capable of treeing a coon alone, then that might cause some issues. I know, like, for me, when someone comes over, all my dogs have handles. So when I get ready to go home, they're, I can go to the house when I want to. But if you come to go hunting with me and your dog don't have a handle, and I've got to work the next morning and I'm ready to go home and I have to spend a lot of time waiting on you, and that's typically not not good for you to get the invite back. So that's just an example of sort of thinking about the person you're going hunting with. Um, so yes, find find some hunting grounds, find a place to hunt. Try to find you a dog. If you can't find a dog, go hunt with someone that has dogs. See see if you like it before we get into this investment stage this stage where you need to start buying some things uh, of course you're gonna need a coon hunting light wide selection of coon hunting lights out there i know uh conky outdoors is a is a supporter of this program and hey look they're they're great guys they would be glad to hook you up with all kinds of hunts and mr bruce i've talked to him multiple times 
back years ago and he was always more than a happy to help with anything that you needed so he'll and he'll walk you through he's a coon hunter he's someone that gets out and gets into the darkness and knows sort of the stuff you need good pair of boots need and you don't have to buy the you know the the chaps right off the bat you can just buy a good pair of boots to go hunting i, I mean i was i don't know i was in my 20s before i had what I, what we call hip waders but they are a, they're a lifesaver in this day and time. Uh, I actually hunted in tennis shoes all the way up through high school. My high school uh, baseball coach used to laugh at me because in the summertime, typically I hunted barefooted or in a pair of tennis shoes because I just waded the creek and boots was going to get wet anyway. So I just always wore a, uh, tennis shoes or was barefooted coon hunting uh so don't splurge on the most expensive stuff a good tracking system if you've if you've went ahead and and done that purchase of a dog you're gonna need a good tracking system and i would say find you a good used tracking system uh, and uh and i'm not gonna suggest any one type of product but do your research this day and time you can research any type of system talk to some coon hunters and they will they will lead you in the right direction i'm i'm currently using the alpha 200 uh whatever in the garmin um uh, and then uh i mean that's basically if you got you a decent dog a light some boots and a tracking system you are ready to start going hunting and then you're going you're going to you're going to find some other stuff a lot of i'm not personally using the the um gosh i can't i'm drawing a blank on the name though the thermals i'm not even using a thermal but a, most of your big time competition hunters are definitely using thermals and all the guys that have come and went pleasure hunting with me here recently they've all had thermals and i'm like gosh no and they're pretty pretty pricey so I mean, if I was going to the bigger style hunts, I would definitely have a thermal at this point. So, uh, so that that's just gonna that's gonna get your foot in the door on the stuff that you need. Uh, but before you buy a dog, make sure you've got a place to keep it and some responsibility about yourself. We talk all the time. Uh, there's a you need a good dry place to keep the dog. It doesn't have to be a big, nice dog pen. There for multiple years, I kept my dogs on chains or cables with tie-down stakes and a nice, clean, dry doghouse. The rod actually almost ran down through the doghouse, and the dogs could go 360 around the house and then go into the into the uh, into the doghouse when it was raining and it, it was a sandy sort of elevated soil so it never really held water yoder nylon has long been known for producing the highest quality briar proof products on the market now they formed a partnership with razor hunting gear to produce all razors new hunting products Razor has a wide selection of products from competition belts, chest rigs, strap vests, to hunting jackets. 
these products look as well as they perform. Razor Hunting Gear, designed by coon hunters for coon hunters. Razor Hunting Gear's newest products are now available for the order. You can find a link in the description box below. Uh, so you need a good, clean, dry place to keep your dog. Uh, be able to afford dog food and expenses as far as uh, vet vet care and stuff like that. So uh, now that you're at that point, it's uh, it's just securing some places to go hunting and and getting into it. All right. So now now that uh, we've gotten to this point. We uh we also said we were gonna do some, and we we have had quite a few questions from, I guess really most of them were from the southeast. We hadn't had any any big questions from up north, but uh, but uh, and we're just gonna pick some questions to go through, and uh, go from there. So uh, I had a. Uh, and I've had some great questions for sure. Uh, Trevor Moore out of Mississippi, uh, he he had he sent me a couple questions, and we'll just start with one maybe or two. But uh, he said, "What are some of the things to look for to determine what level of hunts your dog would be successful at?" Uh, and then he had another question that sort of tied along with that. When is your dog ready to be put in a hunt? So, and this is just my personal, personal preference, you know, and there's going to be some very variation, variations in that. But when I have a dog that is capable of running and treeing their own coon, and recutting from that tree without going back then i think they're ready to be placed in a hunt now maturity wise is 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 what you really got to look at when you start talking about those bigger style hunts and what they can handle when they get out there the biggest thing with these young dogs is if you don't have them broke from going back to that tree and i'm talking about if you can't walk 10 to 15 steps, cut him loose from a tree that has a stinking hot coon in the top of it, then he's not ready to be put in a hunt. It causes aggravation for you. It causes aggravation for the other hunters when you've got a dog that's steadily going back to a tree. So if it can run tree its own coon and it is a, uh, it is uh willing to be recut from that tree and go tree another one, then it is ready. People ask me all the time, what about trade? If it runs deer, hogs, does it? Look, there's dogs that have won $100,000 that are not broke. I want y'all to understand, you know, I want y'all to understand that these dogs that are in these magazines and have won all this big money are not, trash free or problem free they they have some every dog i haven't seen a perfect one yet and i've hunted with all kinds of them so when you say wow i want my dog to be completely straight well typically most of them are are gonna are gonna be a little bit trashy or have some at least open on some trash you know i, I know there's gonna be people my dog won't never run nothing 
and I'm sure there's some out there. But for the most part, if you have a dog that will not run any type of trash or never trashes, more than likely he doesn't have enough hustle and go to 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 hunt for me because typically a dog that has the hustle that it requires to you know be on the higher end competition side they are going to have a little bit of trash in them somewhere especially on those nights where the coons are not stirring they're gonna they're gonna make some mistakes and that brings me to uh to i was actually judging a late round one night and at that time, the all-time money-winning hound was on the cast. And uh, I take that back. I was guiding a late-round cast. It was a Mississippi State hunt. And Dustin Weed was hunting Meltdown. And uh, he did a real good job on a, on a coon. And uh, then he goes on. Trees a legitimate possum, stays at a possum, then makes two more trees that he leaves. And, and Dustin later tells me after the cast, he said, man, he treated two more possums during that, during that hunt. And I said, really? And, I, and I'm not saying this is the all-time money leader about to be. I'm saying at this point, this is the all-time money leading dog. He has won the most money of any dog at that particular time. And yes, he he treated a legitimate possum. And Dustin verif- or said, you know, he treated two more and left them. Or treated over to the side on one, I think, was the deal on it. I'm not n- knocking Meltdown by any stretch of the imagination. That's how much hustle and go that dog had. Coons weren't moving. He slams a coon right off the bat. He's hunting hard, and he goes on and trees a couple possums. Weed said that you know if I'd been hunting him hard or whatever, he wouldn't have treated him. But he had been. He had him set on the back burner or whatever, and was hunting some other stuff. So he he said when when I don't keep him hunted down, he'll he'll make those type of mistakes. So that. That is that is when you when you look at it from that standpoint, we're talking about a very successful competition hound that had the motor, had the go, and I'm guessing he was around six, seven years old at this time. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but he was he was a very established winner. So, you know, when when is the right time? It's basically going to boil down to how you feel about the hound and what he's capable of doing. All right, I got a I got a question from an anonymous longtime listener, avid listener, that uh that I've had my thoughts on slick treeing dogs and guys making excuses that they were treeing squirrels. I'm now seeing some validity to my way of thinking that my young dog is treeing squirrel and not just slick trees. Well, it's funny that this question should come up because I've actually got a little steel mouth or tight mouth dog that I've been hunting that I don't know about a month ago, we had a real bright moon and he made four or five trees along the edge of some cow pastures. 
and I was starting to get a, just a tad bit tough on him, and I I was noticing some squirrel where they had cut was squirrels were cutting acorns around some water oaks around these cow pastures, and I was thinking, you know, I think this sucker is treeing squirrels, so I didn't. You know, he, I don't think he's really going to work out for me as far as a uh, a coon hound. But I got to thinking, you know, I'm a, I'm just going to let him keep hunting. I'm not going to really get hard on him because I might turn this into a little dog that my girls and I can enjoy in the daytime, trimming some squirrels and and uh, trimming some squirrels and trimming coons at night. You know, make a little pleasure dog out of him. He's he's got a head full of sense mine's like a child but uh but so yes i i firmly believe that that uh coon dogs will tree squirrels at night i had one that was a heck of a little squirrel tree at night i called her little trick and i mean i seen multiple squirrels with her throughout her life that she would tree up it wasn't a big problem unless the coons weren't stirring or you know, but she would make some squirrel trees that would produce squirrels. And I, to me, you break them like any other hound or any other problem you got. I like to start all all of my breaking at the house if possible. Um, I like to have my dogs where they know some basic commands. So like most of them will sit, most of them will stay, most of them will heal. Most of them will go on command. Um, so I always tell people when I'm working young dogs, they they have a couple of commands that they know that you no know, means stop whatever you're doing. Go means go from me. And sit is is to sit down. So uh so you and that and you learn when when you're working these young dogs you learn first thing you have to establish with a dog is their discipline how much how much discipline can they take and what type of discipline works best on them uh, we've had do- i've had dogs that you could just scold them talk bad to them and they it would just kill them i've had dogs that you could talk bad to them and they it had no effect whatsoever so you had to you had to find another way to get their attention. So that's going to be one key thing, and the way you find out is spending time with them and working with them. So when any time you talk about breaking a dog, it has to, you have to ha- you have to know what that dog how that dog reacts to stimulation and pressure. And whatever stimulation and pressure works best on that dog is what you're going to have to use. Uh, I had a bunch of possum questions this episode. How do, how do I break dogs from, from possums? And I always start at the house, in the yard, with a possum in a cage. And then I just stimulate them through starting at the lowest level. Uh, a lot of times... Uh, possums. If I got a dog that's creating some problems on possums, or if you want to, you want to nip them in the bud pretty early. You just take the possum in the cage, stick the pin with them, stimulate them with it, take it out, keep him awake, do that. Typically, a dog that is uh that's that is exposed to coons, you can you can get them off them possums now. 
I've had I've had dogs that were a little bit tougher to break it, and I've had dogs that were unbreakable. Um, two really, or I've had two really good dogs that they died here that that would still slip up and trail a possum every now and then on those rough nights that nothing was going on. They would uh they would tread and you you would tune on them that one good time and you might not have a problem with them for three or four months. So uh so that's my that's my take on possums. You can, you can actually take a kitten collar and 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 put it on a because a possum is so up. You can grab them and take that kitten collar, put it around their neck, have a double snapped lead rope, put one snap on the possum and that kitten collar and the other snap on your dog and they can uh they can live together you just got to cower the dog down when you first start that so they don't actually try to hurt the possum and if you if you don't understand cower a dog down there's a uh we we are the uh we're the, we're the dominant figure in that dog's life and if you if you ever let a dog get a bluff on you where you're scared of it or it's it's dominant over you then you you're done with that i mean that dog does not respect you so you have to you have to have i'm not saying abuse don't get me wrong i'm saying you're you're the dominant role in that dog's life it it should never think that it's got the bluff on you so when you take that possum and you expose that dog to it the first time you're probably going to one way to cower a dog down is grab it by its muzzle, come with your fingers up under its chin, and take it to the ground. If you've ever seen a dominant dog over another dog, the other the dominant dog is going to be up over, and the and the cowered down dog will usually be on that side shoulder, rolling up under, looking up at the dog. So what you want to do is get that dog cowered down. And that possum on top of that dog, and you anytime the dog moves, you stop him. So once you get that, typically you can leave the possum in there. Uh, you might have to watch it a little bit, shocking collar on it, stimulate it if it tries to go toward that possum. Uh, so I had quite a few. I, I know Ross Mans asked me about the possum. I had a couple other people ask me about the. Uh, about possum problems but uh yeah you you you've got to uh you got to get the upper hand on any any possum problems i didn't have many deer you know back when back when i was growing up deer man we 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 left dogs all the time because of of deer you know to me a lot a lot of your trash problems can be shut down on uh if you've got a good healthy coon population and today's dogs are bred where you know their main their main goal is trend coons so you can uh you can really cut down on the the trash problems by just keeping them exposed to good hot coon tracks and then and then dealing with trash as soon as it it comes up you know i don't never really beat my dogs at the tree or get rough with them at a tree. If they tree a possum, I'm going to leash them. And usually you see that possum walking into the tree. Leash them, jerk them, offer it. No, 
and cut them loose right there and repeat if they go back to that go back to that possum i'm gonna get a little bit rougher every time they go back till i get them to go on hunting from that area uh so that's that's one thing you definitely want to want to talk about another thing that came up was tick diseases garrett parker has a dog facing some tick diseases and that has really became a a prevalent problem here in mississippi in the last i don't know 10 to 12 years is is a and i don't know how much of a problem it was before but i mean everybody has dealt with it now as far as in the coon hunting game in this area but uh rocky mountain spotted fever alichia uh what's another one uh lyme disease which we don't have much lyme disease in this area it goes tennessee kentucky up and through that area is where you get your lyme disease uh telamia is another one but all it is is a bacteria that that the dogs get from a, from a tick bite. It doesn't matter that the tick dies once the dog is bitten, but as soon as that dog is bitten by a tick, the bacteria from the tick bite can get into the dog and cause an infection. And the, typically, what dogs I've seen come down with it, all of mine have still went hunting, they've still struck, but they just... Like, just like they wouldn't finish the track trail all over the country keep going you know so so it created a, where they didn't actually tree anytime that uh the other things you hear about thyroid issues anytime you get a dog check and the thyroid issue comes up you need to check for a tick disease before you start treating for thyroid uh, because the tick disease will cause thyroid problems. So typically, and this is, you know, when you, when you say, well, Jason, you're not a vet. No, I'm not a vet, but typically the vets don't really, unless you tell them and they might be better about it now, but they really didn't know much about the tick diseases as far as how to treat them. But if your vet tells you when I first started dealing with it, it was two weeks, 200 milligrams of doxycycline once in the morning, once in the evening. Now I'm saying if your vet tells you that you need to, you need to go to another vet or you just need to do four, you just need to do a solid month of doxycycline, 200 milligrams once in the morning, twice in the evening. You'll hear different people. I've, every dog that I've ever had that's had it, uh, I kept hunting them. I never quit hunting them. Some, I mean, I would say keep them around water, all that good stuff. Probably if it's in the summertime, I wouldn't hunt them because they may overheat. But if it's wintertime, I, I, I mean, I've never not hunted my dog on it. So Garrett had some questions about that, and I talked to him. I think I actually talked to Garrett on the phone about his dog. Uh, Chris Reardon in Kentucky. I have a young hound around 17 months old that probably a little too independent. He will pass other dogs up and get treed. However, if anything backs him, he will pack it up and leave. Chris, I've had this uh, with this line of dogs, especially on that the late night trick dog. That was a big problem with a uh, 
with her line or her side as far as independence, man, they were just, they were not going to be with anything. And that was as natural as it came. There was no training for them to be that way. That was just the way. I actually had to work on them being and staying with other dogs. And uh, this is how I work on a, a dog that leaves and stays. Dog gets tree, not, and I know he's capable of leaving that tree if another dog backs him. I just walk in with a dog that I know will back. And I get as close as I can, sort of without that dog knowing, and I just turn that backing dog into him. As soon and as soon as I turn him loose, I'm following him. I'm 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 going. I'm going with him. Maybe 175 yards. When that dog rolls up, I want to be able to get my hands on the dog that is going to leave. If that makes sense. All right. So if I can get my hands on him, I'm going to get him tied up. Let the other dog come on the tree. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to celebrate that dog being there that is, uh, that stayed, right? And then you can also do, uh, cage coons, let your, let, like, turn a cage coon loose, let your, the dog that's having issues go, let him tree, let the backing dog come in behind him and you be there. The biggest thing is consistency and setting up simulations where you have the control. Right, if you're just out pleasure hunting and you got a buddy over there and they're eight to nine hundred yards and they're your the dog that's bad about leaving gets treed and then buddy's dog comes in and you're eight to nine hundred yards away, you have no control over that situation. So a lot of times when you're you're trying to work situations, you gotta have some common sense approach and you've got to keep control of the situation that you're trying to work that dog. And if you can't have control, then you need to be hunting that dog by itself. You don't want to see issues where he's leaving and you can't get in there and correct it. There's some other things you can do, but I, the the shock and collar stuff is 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 iffy and catchy. But but if I've tried all other avenues, I will bring that. Like I said, my dogs know to come and they know that when I call them, they should be on their way. So if he's treated a coon, I can make him come back into the tree more than likely. Uh, so good question. It just takes, especially a 17 month old dog, it's just gonna take some work and time to get him through. And if he can do everything else right, I mean, if he's a good, dog that runs in trees coons he's worth the effort is what i'm saying as far as trying to get him over that and you might not ever get him he might not ever want to be with anything on the tree but anything that is good in life is usually going to take some effort and some work all right gage dickerson in georgia hey enjoyed the podcast interview i would like to hear some tips on starting dogs uh you know we're gonna we're gonna hopefully have quite a few episodes on starting and working dogs, you know, but if if you've got a young dog there or, or you're raising some puppies right now, man, spend some time with them as puppies and let them be puppies. Pay if the biggest or the greatest key word when working with young dogs is patience. You've got to have patience with these young dogs. And hey, look, there's nobody in the world 
that is more impatient than than I. I mean, but it's one of those deals that you have to learn to let them be pups and grow up. Just think of raising a kid or, you know, it's they don't start out being surgeons. It's a lifelong process. Well, coon dogs is is a process and you gotta they don't come here knowing everything so you gotta let them you gotta let them be pups and be patient patient with it uh so that's 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 just some tip on pups and work them hey spend some time with them as you know you might not you might not be actually coon hunting but give them some manners make them respect you you are the dominant force in their life. They should, I'm not saying be scared of you, but they should respect you. So you need to go ahead and have some commands in there that those dogs know to listen to you and obey you because you are their master and their boss. All right, so going to be plenty of tips on training dogs, Gage. So let's, uh, I'm not going to, try to get too far ahead in that michael bolin out of georgia i have a hound that is all coon dog and he is four years old right before i went to the pkc world hunt i shot a few coons out to him he has now started going back to some trees um man that going back to trees things it's always been a relatively easy fix for me um but it's just because I have those commands, most of them, you know, and, and you start, you start with them young and I just, I try not to let it become an issue. You've got a four-year-old dog here. Obviously he knows that he's probably not supposed to go back to trees. So to me, it's a lack of respect for you. Uh, I think you said you probably bought the dog. I think you said you bought the dog. So I'm saying more than likely you need to get, he needs to learn how to respect you. Uh, so you, you could probably start some things there around the house. You might, I would, I would definitely start when you say every time you cut that dog loose, you should say go. I mean, first drop of the night when you cut him loose, go. Right. Well, when he makes that tree, and you go in there and recut him, go. That's what he should hear. All right. So when he goes. He, it should become a habit, an instinct that he knows that he is supposed to go do something else. And I, when I'm breaking off trees or going back to trees, I'm 10 steps. I mean, I'm, I'm right there on the tree and I'm making him go. I mean, I, it's, I don't know how to do it any other way. You just got to follow, and you know, and I know different parts of the country's harder hunting, rougher stuff, you know. I can't imagine being in those mountains and have to make one, you know, go and chase him off a tree. But uh, I'm going to make him go. Uh, the other thing is, you know, some people, the tickling with the collar, um, you can work them, you can make them go on that way. But yeah, I think that's just uh, keep hitting them. He knows, he knows he's not supposed to be back there. And I would say more than anything, it's a respect thing. And that dog is just trying you as far as going back to that tree. Uh, I also have a two-year-old. Oh, Michael's had another question that 
sort of chimed in there with it. I also have a two-year-old that will sell up if you get too rough with him. However, he takes correction pretty good if you just talk rough to him. I'm worried that I'm giving him too much cushion by just talking rough to him and might mess him up. Man, I'm telling you, these dogs are just like people. They got different personalities. Some dogs can can take a a thrash and get up and lick you in the face. Other dogs, you you talk nasty to them and they sell up and they don't want to do nothing. You've got to find that correction point that works best for your hound, and that's what you've got to stick with to get the optimal performance out of that dog. So as you're as you're uh, correcting these dogs, you're going to see what works best, and you just need to go from there and make it work. Uh, so yeah, I mean, anytime you go to correct a dog, pay attention to how he reacts, what he's what he's doing, and uh, and make mental notes. Maybe even come in and jot them down. Well, so and so, he uh, when I talk rough to him, he. He seemed to act better than when I whooped him. Conkey's Outdoors knows that keeping up with the latest in hunting technology can be expensive. That's why they're proud to offer amazing financing options from 30 days, same as cash, to 0% interest for 6, 9, 12, and even 18 months, depending on your credit score and the amount you spend. If you've been eyeballing that new thermal or want to upgrade to the latest in tracking system technology, Go find out more on the web at conkeysoutdoors.com or if you're in the Hastings, Florida area, stop by and visit. They'd love to have you. Conkeys Outdoors, houndsmen helping houndsmen. So just make sure that you're 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 treating it like uh like just working with your children or if you've never had kids, every one of my kids has different personalities. Uh, so you you gotta you gotta look at them as that, and you're trying to mold them into something you want to be. Uh, so Matthew Steen in North Carolina, you was talking about leaving the coon squalor in the truck when uh, working young dogs. What did you mean? So, you know, I worry sometimes I get to talking real fast, and people might not quite understand what I'm saying because I, I kept asking Tyler the other night, "Does that make sense?" Uh, Anytime a, a young dog gets treed and you and you get in there and reward that dog by a pat on the head or shoot the coon out or whatever, typically these young dogs that are bred to tree are pretty accurate when they first get started. They'll start gambling as they've treed a couple of coons and been rewarded or whatever. But when you start rewarding these dogs for making blank trees and everybody goes god i would never reward my dog for making a blank tree well every time they make a tree and it's questionable meaning it's a big leafy tree or a big den tree and you get in there and you're just trying to find it and you start blowing that coon squalor that excitement of you blowing that coon squalor is a reward to that dog, whether you, you look at it as a, as a reward or not. So blowing that coon squalor is typically what I was saying was a reward to the dog for making a slick tree. That, that, that excitement of you blowing that coon squalor has really revved up the, the moment. So uh, 
So that's what I was talking about. Just leave the coon squalor in the truck. Don't get it out and and uh, and blow it and uh, make them get more excited than what they actually need to be. So uh, let me see. I'm still looking through these questions here. <coughs> uh, Matt Sion, tree and flying squirrels. When you have a pup. Tree and flying squirrels. When you have a pup, uh, how do you, how do you break the dog off flying squirrels and and get them into the coons? Uh, I don't. I've never really had a great big problem with flying squirrels, but to me, trash is trash. You know, I mean, you you're gonna break them off of of trash pretty much the same way. <clears throat> I don't know if a a regular gray squirrel smells like a flying squirrel or not, but I'd probably start there and catch me a town squirrel in one of those little squirrel traps. If you're if you're just wanting to break off squirrels, typically I'm I'm saying dogs will break themselves the more exposure. And I and I'll be honest with you, I, except for possums, I don't break mine off nothing until you know they they've probably treated fifty or sixty coon. I I just uh, I don't want to take any. I don't want to take any hunt out of a dog in the very beginning so i'm i'm not going to break my hounds and now now if it becomes a unless it's a danger issue i mean unless it's a danger to their health then i'm probably gonna i'm you know like running hogs here can get pretty dangerous or running deer out of the country and getting on roads so when it becomes a health issue for the dog i'll i'll, I'll intervene and start breaking but from my experience, if you can keep them in coons, uh, they typically break their cells. And if you've got a good reward system and and the and you you have a good bond with your hound, typically they're going to break their cells. We expect a lot out of these dogs. But look, you you y'all, if you're working hounds, you need to have a good relationship with the dog and. They need to respect you, and you also need to respect them and take care of them. Um, I hope this uh, this episode turned out uh, like I envisioned it. Uh, I know this we I crammed through quite a few questions here. As always, late nights with Miller is a. Uh, I'm here to try to help out, so a lot of this is going rely on y'all sending in the questions look even if it's a question you think you know the answer to it's a question that would have helped you when you were first starting out coon hunting you know that's sort of what we're we're trying to do here is help people that are just getting into the sport and then possibly even somebody that's been in it for a while uh so make sure that you send in the question if you've got one and it might be a question from years ago when you first started hunting, but you know, as many questions that we can work through and get in here, that's what that's what we're trying to do. If you've got any suggestions, I'll be happy to to throw them on air for sure. I want I want as much knowledge as we can possibly get out to the listeners. And uh, I hope this baby turned out. I, I told him I'm an old dog and new technology and me don't really go go together good. But my wife said she would help me out and uh, let's see if we can get something. And I guess 
We'll talk to you next time. Y'all take care. Good night. I really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you like what you heard here, go on over to Facebook. Give us a like, at Coon Hunting U. Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And remember, if you need a new hunting light, do not overlook Superior. They make an awesome light, best customer service in the business. Man, their walking light and double red is the brightest I've ever seen. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. You can find the link in the description box below this. Coon Hunting University is a product of Audio Hound Productions. Until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.